konnichiwa, it's Zach Winkley Chichi. I'm so popular and I have a fabulous guest on the show today. Who are you? Uh, hey, I'm on Twitter, Telepathy Party, um, also just John. Um, so, have, have, yeah, have, have already face doxed myself, so. <laughs> well, uh, welcome, John, aka Telepathy Party. What are you doing? Um, right now, I'm chilling in my room with my dog, drinking a gin and tonic, and uh, have a warm mug of coffee next to me. Oh, gin and tonic, so fab. Yeah. <laughs> are I, you, uh, are you drinking? Bloody, I am drinking. I've been drinking Bloody Marys since uh, 11 a.m., uh, 10.30 a.m. <laughs> I just recorded with Thought uh, Topics this morning, and I uh, I need alcohol to podcast, so. Yeah, of course, it, it, it loosens your muscles up a little bit, you know, like... Exactly. And I guess I need to ask you, why do you follow me? Um, so I, it's actually kind of funny because, I mean, the short answer is your podcast is absolute genius. I am obsessed with it. Um, I listened to it. And the, the first episode, I messaged you a little bit about this, but the first episode I listened to, you were literally talking about, um, you know, freshman year of college or something, listening to Azalea Banks in the Rain. And I had this instant image of me freshman year doing the exact same thing feeling like this dislocated little fag the only person who <laughs> loved azalea banks like literally strutting to like her depression song soda like as i was walking down the street um and i was like okay here we go this is this is it um okay but, soda yeah. is the song for depression strutting yeah yeah it's like her dark night of the soul like it's like a true masterpiece um yes but uh i actually so um, I actually applied to the JET program and was <laughs> was denied very, uh, very tragically. So uh, literally that, I think maybe two days after that, I found your podcast and was like just living vicariously through it. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess I kind of live my... Uh little existence here and I'm glad people are entertained by it um you know when I first moved to Japan I was like oh I hope everyone isn't annoyed by me being here and it's like all I post about is being in Japan but as it turns out everyone is quite fascinated so I have no apologies yeah no it's uh honestly like it's it's this mixture of just like just like total jealousy and just amazement because it just seems like your life is like so glamorous and (laughs) And, and let me so- tell you, Jet is not the only way to get here. Like, yeah. do whatever it takes, get to Asia. Like, I'm going to America. No, definitely. Like, I'm. That's like that's like the long term plan. I'm I'm spending a year in LA to uh, um, chill with my my best friend there. And um, next year, I, I applied to a few other programs, um, but they didn't quite have the same sort of security that I felt Jet had. So I'm trying again one more year, and if that doesn't work, I'm going through. I'm going through some other lane. Like I'm, I'm gonna sneak my way into Japan. No, literally, I, I'm telling everyone this, but like, Asia needs to be the destination of the faggot <laughs> exodus. Like, yeah, of we course. Have to, I mean, gentrification, or I don't, I don't even know what to call that one. Like mass white immigration to Asia, but like right. we need to get gay people here, and like, it, it's such a better homosexual culture that has been so overwhelmingly refreshing and it's like once COVID is over and I can go back to the bars and the baths and all of that it's like I will ascend because the culture here is so refreshing and everyone here is so detached from any of like the woke like gay nonsense it's like the 70s here honestly right right 
Yeah, no, I, I mean, I've wanted to, I, I've wanted to go to Japan for a long time because I was, you know, I, in like eighth grade or whatever, I was this huge anime nerd. Um, like mm -hmm. back in the days when like they had every single ep episode of Naruto on YouTube, like, I mean, all that I did was like hide under my sheets and watch Naruto. Um, then I like matured a little bit and saw Evangelion and it ripped my soul apart. Um, so I, you know, like was looking at like serial experiments, Lane and stuff. Um, oh, and I love Lane. Yeah. And started sort of, uh, you know, I, I started reading a lot of Japanese literature. Um, hopefully like I, I have probably the like Japanese abilities of a, of a two year old at this point, but um, I'm really looking to uh i'm going to be taking classes in japanese this this year in uh in la so i'm i'm definitely looking to you know become fluent at some point and i want to do some like translation work or something at at some distant point in my life yeah no um when i got here i had studied only for a year so my language ability was that i was able to talk about my daily routine right <laughs> introduce <laughs> myself <laughs> and like that was it and <laughs> Just getting thrown into my work situation, I really picked up really fast, and uh, there is no better way to learn a language than to be a cock-sucking homosexual, because... Right. You know... <laughs> right, of course. Well, because, like, you, you know, I think that's true with any culture, really, like one of and like <laughs> yeah. well like to like to any in, in from any angle like even the gay gay communities are are always these sort of like grab bags where everyone is thrown into this soup of different people, and like you know, even going into college, like it, it, it felt like um, a lot of my more kind of racially insecure white friends were just a lot, uh, you know, they, they had to sort of learn these rules about how to interact with people of different races that they sort of stuck to because of like this yeah. crippling sort of racial awkwardness um, that I've always deeply resented as a gay guy. Like I've always like just, I've always hated this sort of, uh, this sort of like, this sort of coded way, like, you know, like going to NPR to get the new, like updated version of how to talk to like black people or something, yeah. <laughs> you know, like I've, I've really, really always hated that. Um, and it feels like as like a gay guy, you do like, you know, no matter what, where you come from, you, you, you know, you're, you're, you're interacting with people from all generations from, uh, you know, like from, from, from any aisle of life, essentially. Right. Um, because when, you know, you're 21 or 22 at that point and have had grinder for long enough. And it's like, you right, are exactly. so more like f further developed in terms of like navigating multiculturalism because you've had so many of those people's like genitals around you that like, then any like straight people who've had like one embarrassing date with a black guy and like tell all their sorority friends about right it. exactly and like you also get to know like on grinder you'll like find that there'll be some black guy who's like you know i'm horny to destroy some white ass and like you're like all right like this is like I, i'm I, like i'm game <laughs> this is a good segue into what i wanted to talk about yeah. a little bit today um today we're discussing samuel r delaney's hog um, and I thought before we got into that, be well, that was beautifully put, <laughs> Samuel R. Delaney's big hog. His big hog, his, 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 his big multiracial hog. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, um, we're going to talk about that, but before we, um, really get into the down and dirty of it, I kind of wanted to set the stage with a conversation around gay evil and just evil and atrocity in evil. general evil and <laughs> this is becoming increasingly important to me as the show has gone on i mean i barely realize like what i'm doing and it's like 
with the podcast, I basically, like, figure out something I kind of want to talk about, and then, like, five weeks after it's done, I'll kind of start, like, reframing it as, like, why did I do this? And I'm seeing that, like, the trend for season two, which is, like, this uh, pitch black vortex where people I've never met from the internet, like, (laughs) appear out of nowhere to like summon transgressive art and like worship right. it's like I'm right it's like this black that, mass yeah it's like literally like a like a black <laughs> celestial mass like beautiful and i think it's like i feel really desperate to like preserve these transgressive pieces of art and film and whatever um mostly because the the cultural moment is, like, so turned against evil, but I'm kind of curious, like, as to my inclinations towards extremity and evil. I think that, like, since I was in junior high school, I've talked about this a lot, but I just kept wanting to have more and more intense, like, cinematic and, like, film and literary experiences. Like, I just wanted to enjoy myself (laughs) as much as possible (laughs) with what I was reading. Right. (laughs) And... I think it is, like, overall, like, this, like, worship of evil and my general attraction for it at the end of the day. Yeah, I mean, I think, so, what, like, when I was, um, when I was, like, sort of preparing a little bit for this show, I started to read Deleuze's, um, that, like, work on masochism that he did. Oh, yeah, um, Coldness and Cruelty. Love yeah, it. yeah, Coldness and Cruelty. Um, and I, I'd read it a few years ago, but um, I, I actually ended up being more attracted to the the Venus and Furs um, yes. half of it. And um, I was really attracted to this word. Like, he, the, the main character keeps talking about super sensuality, like mm-hmm. his, his sort of super sensual aspect, like this sort of desire to be, you know, completely overwhelmed by by feeling and sort of um, like kind of like uh, overwhelmed by someone. And I think that like a lot of gay men are sort of like attracted. They sort of have this super sensual aspect to them where they can be kind of, you know, attracted to these sort of like, you know, kind of overwhelming sort of sensual sensation that, you know, when, when it kind of, you know, when it, when it kind of, uh, you know, seeps into you or like intrudes on you, it, it has the texture of evil to a certain extent. Yeah, um, absolutely. I, yeah. I just read Coldness and Cruelty back in January and I had the exact same experience with it yeah. where I read like the Deleuze portion. And I was like, I don't really care about this that much. I thought like... It doesn't though, actually like, work for gay men. I don't think his... I actually that's don't exactly think, what I yeah. thought. I literally like was thinking to myself that this is just like heterosexual nonsense, which is yeah, like kind yeah. of like a, a rare opinion for me to have because I'm usually so enthused by rambly straight men. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I felt the exact same way. I, but I was I reading mean, through yeah. it. I was just like so like okay but then you know the venus and furs section comes up and reading through that novella i ate it up in one sitting because i was like, yes, so yeah. propelled <laughs> yeah it's no it's a great book like and i mean like deleuze is he i think he really i think faggots really like him just because like he is one of those rare straight guys who has excellent taste and he knows like he knows genius when he sees it you know um and like to me it was such a novelty to read venus and furs um just because it you know it you um you read it and like you you actually can't really understand erotica i don't think without looking at how it like was always written to to a certain extent like mm-hmm. even like when you read like anne rice or something you know like i was i was like looking good like Jack from the Perfume Nationalist has been like tweeting about Anne Rice these Interview past couple with of the weeks. Vampire lately, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
And um, like I, I read that in in grade school and I was looking through Goodreads and everyone was shitting on it like very hard. And um, I like had this very hazy memory of what um, Interview with a Vampire, like what, what it read like. And I, you know, I was flipping through it after I'd read Venus and Furs and I was like, oh, this is exact. This is almost exactly like Venus and Furs. It really is like it, you know, it, it is very sparse sort of details about the environment. It is like almost just like this conversation this like erotic conversation between between two people um and like that's just sort of uh that sort of i don't know it's just sort of like just sort of like sexual testimony in a way um so that like you can't like you know you can't you can't go in judging it because you know it's sort of like i don't know it's like it's, it's it's in these quotes you know um which like is you know maybe a, a, kind of how you try to approach Hog to you know to to some to to more or less success depending on who you are. Mm-hmm. I think you're exactly right, and it's really sort of this intense experience for like gay men to you know experience these huge feelings of like evil or like these massive like submissive urges and then like negotiating how they uh either partake in them or try to cast them off it becomes like this huge psychosexual like (laughs) theatrical drama that every gay man has like whether they're going to like you know larry kramer describes it as like a pit of sexuality they're gonna hurl themselves into that or (laughs) they're gonna start like censoring themselves in like a really like a disney gay kind of like creepy undeveloped baby person yeah okay well so that is like such a good point because gay culture has been losing its the like the texture of evil you know that i actually love about it and sort of to contradict what i said earlier like a lot of gay spaces have become a lot whiter in like a very i think kind of like creepy way you know mm-hmm. like there's this i've been going like i've been going to this um this bar called touche which is right next to this um it's right next to this uh other bar called jackhammer in chicago and the basement of jackhammer is where you can locate this forbidden space called the hole and Ooh. yeah the first time i ever went into the hole i was tripping on acid and it uh, so you know, like it's, and when you're dripping on, when you're tripping on acid, you like feel like this sweaty squid. Um, and it was on this this uh, this day called Market Days, um, which is sort of a, it's sort of like a sister to the Pride Parade, but it's a right. little bit more, um, it's it's a little bit like it's it's more surrounded around like booths and stuff. Um, but so whatever. So uh, yeah, I was walking through the hole and it was truly like a Sodom and Gomorrah, like just like these writhing, seething, like ejaculating bodies, like just like surrounded by like naked men. And I ne- like I'd never seen a place like this in America. Mm-hmm. Um, no, like never. They, I've never they, seen anything. They're like disappearing. That in like they really are disappearing. No, it's like I find that honestly, the there's a lot of fear around people like wanting to go to a bathhouse or like wanting to go to like a dirty, like kind of like more sexual, like gay bar. And I can't really diagnose like what the cultural cause is. And I'm like not even that especially interested in it, but it's really deeply unfortunate because all of the like best, you know, sort of formative gay experiences I've, I've had have been like in these totally like horrific, like, disgusting extreme places like i think back about this um 
bathhouse in Canada that I went to. And, like, one of the guys I ended up, like, getting with was, like, this, um, like, Romanian dude who was, like, really sweet, like, during, but, like, after just started, like, spouting, like, terrible, like, racism against Asians. Right. Jesus Christ. (laughs) But, you know, like, that kind of experience and, like, getting exposed to people like that, it, like, makes you more learned and interesting and, like gives you an actual like sort of like taste of um extremity it, it, like it gives you this feeling that your life means like way more than it does if you just like sit at home and like s- lifelessly scroll through tinder right right well and i, yeah, I say I think, tinder because yeah. gays who are weird use tinder <laughs> exactly no gays who are fucking freaks use use tinder and i'm like no what like I want my dating app experience to be like this, this huge, just chaotic bazaar of like, of just like deviant personalities. Like I was actually blocked off of Grindr. So, or I was like, my account was banned and I have no idea what, what, (laughs) like why it was banned. Um, I do know, however, that a few, a few days before it was banned, um, actually only literally like within 24 hours, I had had this conversation with this guy because my, um, I wish I could pull it up, but like on, on my grinder profile, I, it was kind of like a, you know, I was kind of making fun of like the, like in this house, we believe in like love is love or whatever. So like my Mm -hmm. caption was like, was like, love doesn't exist. Like, (laughs) you know, COVID is fake. Um, like science isn't real, blah, blah, blah. Um, because I like kind of wanted this filter away from just sort of like shitheads, like shithead libs. Um, but uh, this guy like totally cornered me and was like badgering me and caught like calling me an idiot and um, you know like like saying that I was like putting the gay community back. And um, I just sort of like fended him off with sort of like you know like softball humor. But um, yeah, literally within twenty four hours, my account was blocked. And I think like he, I think he reported me, and then. Um, yeah, that's, I, I'm, I'm no longer on Grindr. <laughs> While getting woke scolded into, like, Grindr exile. Yeah, exactly. Like, on Grindr of all places. Like, no, like. No, like, Grindr is for, like, <laughs> dirty confessions and evil. Right. Like, it's, it's not, it's, well, I mean, when I was, like, leaving America and, like, I haven't used Grindr in a long time. Like, when I was, um, you know, trolloping for dick on the web apps, I was using Nine Monsters. <laughs> Have you heard of that? No, I haven't. It's the, it's like the gay grinder in Japan, okay. and uh, it's a uh, you get levels like you. It's like a little RPG game, and like you're they assign you levels based on what kind of people like you, and uh, you level up like huh. based on like <laughs> like, like a JRPG uh, or something. Like they literally like a JRPG. Yeah, <laughs> I think I like the one I had was like um like Slender Tiger. Hmm. I was like a level twelve, <laughs> huh? So it was like you had like a zodiac or something. Yeah, like... <laughs> yeah. They're all like, I think yeah, they're all like zodiac characters or something like that. But did you um, like? Did you when you leveled up? Did you feel like like power just writhing through you? No, I was like... so confused. I didn't, I was, it's like so like trite when you like yeah. level up or whatever. I was like, uh, okay, great. <laughs> yeah. Woo-hoo. Um, it's actually no, funny because I mean, yeah, sorry. And that's okay. I was just thinking about when I was, like, leaving America, you know, and when I was still using Grindr back then. That's, like, kind of when, like, the Grindr gets out the vote kind of yeah. thing started to take hold. <laughs> yeah. Um, God, I, I, like, I've always hated those, that, like, encroachment of this very serious political world, um, which has, like, you know, um, seeped into every single facet of pop culture. 
um, like it has completely like deranged everybody. Like the way that every every single action is mined for its supposed political content. It's turned everybody into like lying neurotics, like people who literally can't like you know, for like all of these people who are concerned about like misogyny or something, no one actually knows what misogyny is. Like I like I don't know a single person who posts these infographics on Instagram who like really understands like or has like really looked at like the great movies that are about misogyny and like looked at what it's trying to say about it you right. know and it's, like it's, it's because so much of like um even now, like high school education and like university education is about like educating young people in these like really vague and general terms about racism and misogyny and for a time homophobia although they seem to kind of have thrown that to the wind right right um and it's for the like better. they want yeah yeah i agree more homophobia the better for everyone right. but it's of like course. they want um everyone to kind of be on the same page about like these general concepts like misogyny is bad like black lives matter like both right. things which are true of course but like the the avenue there is like sort of like this like creepy funneling to get people into like the squiggly armed no feature animated character like corporate universe of like placidity right no that's like exactly right and i actually think i think that a lot of i think that the reason why a lot of a lot of gay men um or like why like this weird little like spider's nest of twitter that we exist in i think the Mm -hmm. reason why there are so many gay men is because like actually we experienced this 10 years before everyone else really did you know like when i was in high school you know like there was this huge battle for gay marriage and i lived very intimately like this weird world where whenever i came out as gay people would rush up to me and sort of mother me about it and you know like treat me like this this sort of like this victim of like a structural nightmare that I was just, you know, like, you know, like Dorothy just lost in. And, <laughs> you know, like, I mean, when you're in high school, there, there is something narcissistically satisfying about that kind of attention. And oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, now yeah, that yeah, we've, I, yes, now that we've, now that like, we've come out of that side of it and, you know, like, you know, like, and like, the, you know, I, I don't want to, like, I don't, wish that I like grew up through like the 80s or something when like AIDS was ravaging the gay community and everyone like hated fags um at the same time like we have really sacrificed our uh our connection with evil for this I don't know for this like for this like very sort of glitzy um sort of like uh you know grade a world that we live in now that is like almost completely living in denial of how gay men actually like interact and exist with each other as like just like perverted raunchy like homos yeah you know like like, you're so right that it's like the devil's contract because i remember like being like the mothered and it's like always like high school girls like when i was in high school who like rush up to you and go oh it's so hard i hope yeah. that you get married <laughs> one day i love gay people my right. uncle is gay and it's like all very like friendly and like sort of masturbatory because you right. do get like that nice little bout of attention from it and yeah. you know i coasted about that for a long time until like i started noticing that it was souring like the way that i yeah. could uh, appreciate art basically and that i started getting like policed about liking azealia banks honestly because she was homophobic and 
she's allowed to be homophobic that's like what that's what literally no one understands like people will call azalea banks homophobic but guess what you go to a fucking you you go to a club in america like one of like the real clubs like one of the actual you know queer spaces that people like pontificate about you know like a, a truly queer weird space where people are touching each other people come in like blue dreadlocks or some shit it's like where even are you during the day like a true <laughs> queer space azalea banks comes on and everyone in the room knows every single word to the song like yeah, cause she's she's one of the girls like she's, yeah exactly she's, she's a fag hag and like that gives her like and you know what it's fun like it's fun to like when women say fag like with you right. it's, like, <laughs> you, that's yeah. like, one of the few things they have to you know put a screaming bottom in their place when they like go off the edge about like art or like whatever top hurt their feelings it's like you gotta like kind of slap them in the face with a faggot and they like, get them back to reality right i mean i remember that like so you know, in, when I was in, I, I went to school or I, I graduated from a school in Scotland and, you know, I learned very early that you, like, I couldn't really talk to my straight friends about like the really sordid experiences that I, that I'd had. And I mean, like this story, like in, in particular is uh, like one that I remember telling my friend in sort of like uh, in like this this diner in my town and like her being so horrified that she literally didn't know what to say to me but um I was I you know for one summer I actually dated like one of these puppy guys who are like the true pariahs of the gay community yes. um like <laughs> you know like for like for all of their for all of their wackiness like for all their sort of furry adjacent wackiness like having like having like hung around these guys this like community of of you know total sex perverts who literally just like live for these like extreme or these like extreme depraved orgasms like um you know like when I was uh, like on that day when I was like tripping on acid when I went to jackhammer like I walked but I was walking with them you know sort of like on like on the sidelines with the guy that I was seeing at the time and they were all in their face masks and literally the, the this crowd of of uh you know shiny a-list homos they literally part they part so that these guys in puppy masks can walk through because like they like are pariahs um but which i find very like i find very interesting um but anyway like there's this one night when um six flags in chicago they always host a a gay night and um this you know i i went with some of some of this guy's guy and his friends and um this this one guy was like he's he was really into like wrestling i guess um like like sort of like physically dominating twinks and oh hot yeah exactly and like this was like before i like started to grow a beard so like i was still sort of like this kind of like fairy twink um and he he had this like incredibly assertive and uh very like fricative sort of like way of interacting with me that was like incredibly confrontational couldn't really figure this guy out and then as we were walking through the through the gates he all of a sudden turned back um one detail i had driven all of these people to six flags right um but all of a sudden he turned back he was like oh i forgot my ticket in the car i threw my keys to him he left we waited about half an hour for him he he came back gave me my keys um we had a great night at six flags uh you know drove back i dropped everyone off and about three days later my dad was like john there is something stinking up your car i don't know what this is but like it smells like total shit i went into my car 
I was like, Jesus Christ, it literally smells like something died in here. And in the back, there was just this, like, the 7-Eleven cup that I had left in the back, and it was just full of vomit. And, <laughs> like, completely inexplicable. Like, I was like, what the, f-? I, it was literally one of the strangest things I'd ever seen. But I, like, I was putting the dots together. I was like, who had access to my car like in like in order to vomit while I wasn't looking and the only person <laughs> was this total sex freak who was like sexually badgering me all night and it was like this weird ritual of like sexual domination that he had like enacted on me like so like so bizarre but I remember telling my friend in this cafe like my this very like straight-laced girl about this um because I thought it was like funny and hilarious and interesting. And like, it just completely silenced her. Like she had no script, no idea how to even approach it. Gay evil. What is she going to say about that? Right. Like gay evil was something that she like, didn't even know how, how to even begin to approach. Um, So like, I truly all straight girls listening to this, I implore you, like, (laughs) like just submit to the gay evil, like enter, like entertain your gay friends. Like, yeah, like uh, that—that's base. That's the ideal relationship between a a woman and a gay man is like sort of like this twisted marriage where right, the right. woman constantly uh, gets the worst behavior out of the gay, and the gay does the same likewise to the woman. Right, of course. <laughs> yeah, no, I think in true. all of this, like uh, appreciation for gay evil is like really an undervalued sort of like cultural like capital that we have because there. Are, Gay people are innately evil. Um, I am afraid to say because, like, you know, whether whether you want burn to, us, like, yeah, seriously, it's like whether you we're want asking to believe for it, it or, <laughs> believe it or not, it's like we are a deviant sexuality. We are not like productive of a birth rate. It's like, and that doesn't matter. I'm like not like saying that gay people are bad because of it. It just is like by nature, gay people are evil, and instead yeah. of like warping that into a creepy like sitcom version of like domestic gay marriage the only good thing you can do with it is to turn it into complete like discordant evil and wrath exactly no that's that's totally true and i think like i mean even if you're going to come come at it from this kind of like fetishistically moral lens like i think like people being like in touch with their dark side is like literally actually a very sort of liberatory thing you know and like it it like I think that like you know you you bring neurotics you you make neurotics of people when you scare them into like constantly fending off like these like dark corners within their souls you know like I think I honestly think that's why so many people are like like why we're literally surrounded by hysterics today why everyone is such a fucking political hysteric is because everyone has been taught to be as frightened of like these dark hairy corners in their soul as possible you know like it's 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 sad like it's just depressing Mm -hmm. no it is depressing because the like the blackness and evil and like dark hairy like shit stained evil inside of you is like (laughs) There is so much, like, morbid pleasure to be gained from that, too. And, like, I think that experiencing it and throwing yourself, at least partially, into, like, that sort of, um, like, hedonistic, like, sadian, like, chaos is um, really one of the most riveting ways to live. And the people who do it end up being some of the best artists that have ever lived. Like, Mishima, who, like, was constantly getting, like 
himself pounded at the back <laughs> in San Francisco. Like, Bap and everyone don't want you to know, but, like, Mishima was a big queenie pansy who'd love right, getting right. white dick up him. So, like, there's that. I mean, there's Pasolini who, like, constantly was just, like, picking up twinks on the side of the road to, like, cast in his, like, movies. And, like, right. all of these people, like, the the more... Raider Werner Fassbender. Exactly, yeah. Like, like yeah, I was just oh, explaining... God, yeah. I was just explaining that, like, you know, like, what, like, I mean, I have this kind of theory that, like, the reason why, you know, like, sort of Netflix-style movies are so plain is because, like, they're, the the production is dominated by this kind of corporate architecture that sort of puritanizes the, like, artistic process, and, like, when you look at movies, like, or when you look at filmographies, like, Fassbenders, you realize that, like, you know, these, like, movies organically grow out of the communities that an artist surrounds himself with and you know like wh when you listen to interviews of the like actors and actresses who were involved with him you know like they'll say like her they'll, they'll, they have horrific tangents about it none of them feel like victims they were they all knew like the the tornado of like of total objection that they were like submitting themselves to but that was the that was like truly the hellhole that they needed in order to like in order to create such like such gritty and honest movies. Yes. I just I'm it's really very affirming to have like this kind of conversation. <laughs> like because I mean the nice thing about Japan is that all of my like gay friends here are like so uncaring about any sort of politic at all that like they just like run around and like do what they want and like it's not a thought and thus no one really edits their behavior and the Dionysian like chaos reign continues to pour down but you know because of that also it's like I can't relate like my uh, experience in the west like back with like anyone here so this is really the beauty of I'm so popular is, <laughs> is getting people to appear in the void of my podcast space to tell me I'm right <laughs> Hog is a 1995 or 1996 Who Cares novel by <laughs> um, by Samuel R. Delaney. And yeah. did I get that right? Daddy. Daddy King. Yeah, he... Um, Big, what a fat, king. turgid cock. <laughs> <laughs> and this book was written um, right around Stonewall and then into the early yeah. 70s, but didn't get the light of day until the 90s. And I've heard a lot about Delaney from... Um, Jack on the Perfume Nationalist, of course. Uh, right, right, he did right. Did a a really amazing episode on his novel, uh, Through the Valley of the Nest of Spiders. Yeah. Have you read that? I haven't. Yeah, I I actually I've owned a copy for like, for you know since high school, but I've never actually opened it up. Um, but uh, I've been saving that episode for when I have you know a good two weeks to debase myself. Yeah, no, I mean, you recommended that we talk about Hog, and I had been meaning yeah, to get yeah. around to it, so I threw myself into it, and, um, I mean, a huge thunderstorm just, like, came overhead, and it's, like, starting to rain, and it's, like, getting blackout, even though it's only <laughs> 3 o'clock, and it's, like, clearly which perfect, it's the perfect setting to talk about this yeah. completely evil, beautiful novel. Okay, well, so can I actually, can I actually say that this, so I practice tarot, um, and... 
I this morning I drew the I drew the five of swords and I was like I was very nervous about what I was going to draw because I was like this is my podcast day um and <laughs> five of swords is known as as the lord of defeat and let me tell you how uh, it's like the writer weight tarot deck. And let me tell you how, how weight describes it. He says the divinatory yes. meaning is degradation, destruction, revocation, infamy, dishonor, <laughs> loss with the variants and analogies of these. <laughs> oh my God. I love it. He's right. It's, yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. Anyone who doesn't believe in tarot is fucking stupid. I'm sorry. Like I've read a lot of Samuel Delaney and he is a, he is a big advocate of tarot. Like he's oh, a, he's I a lo- slut I tarot. for tarot. No, I I used a tarot deck a, a few months ago to like deduce if one of my friends was cheating on his fiance, and <laughs> the cards told us that he was, and then as it turned out, he was. No, okay, th- th- it's literally science. Like if you believe, if you are one of these sciences real people, and you don't believe in tarot, you're a fucking liar, is what you are. <laughs> Get over it's yourself. True. I want to ask you how you got into this novel. Like, what was your first experience with it? Um. Oh, yeah, I was actually trying to remember this, but um, I think what I think happened was, you know, like back in, you know, the LGBT days of high school, I remember looking through like lists of gay literature that I should read. And this was the first time that I, I you know, saw Samuel L. Delaney's name, but I, I somehow came across Hog and it was sort of this like cursed item. I had like I had looked at the Wikipedia page for it and it freaked me out a little bit too much. Um, so I, I never quite got around to it. And like, I never wanted to go to a bookstore and like order hog. Um, like, I mean, just, I'm actually wondering like, is the the, the copy that you have, is it like, j- literally it says hog in like sh- shit colored letters. <laughs> okay. <laughs> like in a- so I have a, it's really irritating to import books here. And I only import books if they're over 500 pages long is like my rule right, because, right. um, I know I'm going to have to move eventually. And it's like, if I move back to America, God help us all. Like, of course. Um, yeah. I don't even know what I'm going to do. Like, I have like a copy of the Bible that I've like, just like shove them up your like, ass and like, yeah, hope like the best. <laughs> just shove it right up there. I've been like yeah. lovingly like march my Bible. I have like a copy of like Ezra Pound's Contos and like, um, like, God, uh, both copies of Larry Kramer's American People, like, duology. It's like, I don't know what I'm going to do with all these books, so I literally bought Hog on the Kindle. <laughs> that, oh, wait, that's poetry right there. Like I know, <laughs> I bought Hog on my Amazon Kindle from the Amazon <laughs> store and, like, read it, like, <laughs> on the train. They have you, they have you flagged as just a as just a fag like they, they're like oh, no this... it's true <laughs> and like the other stuff i buy from amazon is like always like really demented cross-dresser stuff i'm like well i need new panties or it's like i need a new wig or like new extra large eyelashes or i need to it's like they know what i'm oh oh the best thing i've ever bought from amazon have you heard of a gaff no i haven't okay they're for trans girls mostly and it's like these uh really small panties that have like a kind of like foam shape of a pussy on them mm-hmm I oh, bought fantastic. my gaff off of Amazon. <laughs> Extra small. That's hilarious. <laughs> they they oh, have some like they, like that's what I love about being gay though is that like your I feel like I feel like we naturally confuse the sort of like Amazon algorithm. algorithm. Exactly. Yeah. Like we're this like we're this we're this constant source of tension because they ju- they just like can't they, they you know like you you order a copy of the Oxford edition of the Bible along with a copy of Hog and they're like, who is this slut? <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, like my Instagram like recommended from the algorithm is like just bodybuilders and drag queens. Right. 
that's no so complaints. Funny. Yeah. But <laughs> you know, that's a, a beautiful experience getting into it. I um, I had heard about it, and it I heard about it when I went through my own like uh, nightmare phase where I decided to read like as much like uh sort of like morally offensive like disgusting stuff as possible i was like yeah. trying to um realize myself as like a scholar and i was like i'm gonna be a scholar on erotica so i spent right. one summer reading like story of O, and i read um yeah. justine and juliet mm-hmm. um i read the first two books in henry miller's rosie crucifixion trilogy oh beautiful which i love and then yeah. i read um tampa by Alyssa nutting oh i don't know that one it's about um a uh a female teacher who uh, molests. Uh, oh like yes, boys. yeah, yeah, yeah. What, what, who's the author? Alyssa Nutting. Alyssa Nutting. Oh, wait, fantastic. And Alyssa Nutting. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Oh, and there's like a. It's like the cover is like literally just a vaginal. Just. It's like a yeah. It's like a ripped up like button shape and like the I loved like the texture of the book and like bringing it around with me and like reading it at my desk job. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's actually how I felt. Um. Because I, like, you know, like, when, when I found out that we were doing Hog, I was, like, looking at what of Samuel Delaney I've missed. And it's actually, it was the only, I read Hog for the first time um, when I, I took a, I, I took this sort of, like, weird little gap year in England. And um, I, I ended up ordering it from Waterstones, of all places, um, which is, like, sort of, like, the Barnes & Noble there. And, um that was my first introduction to Samuel Delaney, but it was the only erotic novel of his that I'd read. And I didn't realize he had like, he had like basically the second half of his career, he has put science fiction aside and has been only writing sort of these kind of like either like realistic gay novels or just like erotica. And um, I got a copy of his book Equinox. Um, and yeah. the co- I mean, the cover is this like, um, the cover is this like muscular black daddy with his hands on these two like just like the, these two just like white children like on <laughs> on a boat and like it, this little paper this little paperback edition that like with like the corner ripped off that I got off of you know some 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 dingy little website and I've been going to this like like Collectivo which is like a coffee shop that's been popping up in in, in Chicago like all of these like sort of like you know fake fake social activists go there and um like I'll just sit there and like read the reading this book Equinox like in everyone's faces and I like that's one of like the my favorite experiences is like reading performatively this like <laughs> this like clearly just like sorted book Oh, yeah, because, like, straight people like to do that with Infinite Jest, because, like, oh, my God, I'm reading a big uh, book. And I love Infinite yeah. Jest, actually. No, I no, me too. It, it's great. But, like, the aesthetic around it or, like, it's just so ridiculous. Meanwhile, like, I have been, like, fully trotting around with, like, my copy of Faggots for as long yeah. as possible. <laughs> right. In, like, big red letters, right? Yes. Yeah, because I yeah. don't have, like, I, I would love to get one of the first so editions that has, like, the cute yellow cover and just, like, Faggots and mm. red text, but I have, like, the paperback one that has just, like, the the muscular torso and then Faggots underneath right. it. Right. Right, of course. <laughs> um, yes. That's actually how I, that's how I felt also, like, really, because I have this really old copy of Dancer from the Dance. Um, oh. Like, a, um, uh, a copy oh, that I got. Please tell me it's the one with like the shirtless guy on it. Yes, with yes. like the with like the cardigan wrapped around his neck. I know exactly what that yeah. is. Um, I had and... that was the copy I had of it too. Yeah, and I had so much fun reading that in public. Um, and you know, it, it creates this like sort of like tense force field around you, and like makes the act of reading this like very theatrical experience. Yeah, it's um, like perfume. 
right no exactly yeah it's 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 that's like the perfect analogy it is just like this the stink that surrounds you um but like that like everyone you're forcing everyone to contend with i love it um so hog is a is a oh i was about to describe the plot i don't (laughs) (laughs) uh it's a novel about about a a, cocksucker yeah that is exactly right it's about an 11 year old narrator um who he is a boy and he is identified as uh, by every other character in the text as a cocksucker and uh that is because that's what he does. He goes through the novel and is like uh, through some like sort of like prostitution rings. He eventually gets picked up by a uh, artful character by the name of Hog, who initiates him. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> who initiates him like into uh, his uh, realm of business, which is that he's paid to uh, rape ladies, and he continues right, a rape get- artist, a rape artist. That's right, and he gets like yeah. passed around between. Um, some other black people, and um, yeah. <laughs> and at the end of the novel, he uh is in the truck, and that's the book. Yep, <laughs> literally. So and... now we get, I I hate like going like through like step by step. Like this is what happens. What do you think? Yeah, about this? yeah. And like that's why I love the structure of this book so much is because it does not let you do that. It it really doesn't. It is in a weird way, kind of plotless, and it, it, like there's continuity, yeah, but. It doesn't have, it, you know, everything about this book is truly about, um, about destroying any kind of like, uh, you know, and any, anyone who reads it, they can't find a way to justify it. Um, because they're like, even like the, 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 this like molested character doesn't even have any sympathy for himself or any kind of like, any sort of like traumatic revelation about like, about his own sort of debasement, you know, like there, it's the series of sort of like intensely violent um, and like, just like raunchy, um, you know, vignettes essentially, like these, these, ep- these episodes that he, like, like almost surrealistic episodes um, where this character is just sort of floating, you know, between like shit and stinky piss, like, yeah. And that's that's exactly the way to describe it. Is like you are like floating through like this um like endless like turmoil of like sex hell. But because the narrator is so like uncaring about his situation, is like so accepting of it and like kind of like into it in several moments. It's like yeah, you yeah. never get like that. the The sense of oppression isn't about like worrying about like the the character's like well-being or if he's going to be harmed it is really just like suffering like the violence of having to read what's going on exactly yeah like the character i was like thinking about this like the i don't know if the character is the main character the narrator i don't know if he's capable of being raped you know like like literally like it's even when he's literally raped like he is psychically he's is literally the embodiment of a of just a gaping hole that he like just wanders around opening himself for and like there is there is no distinction between him and like these like like all of these like grody men who he ends up with like there's they all kind of like gloop together into this like one like single ooze it's like the this one sort of like (laughs) one sexual being like the only one who kind of emerges out of all of them is hog like he is he's the only character who has like enough like enough distinction for me that he like really emerges as like the one personality that's acting at all yeah exactly um 
so do you know what's actually kind of interesting is that Hogg is um, in, in, in the erotic novel that he wrote before Hogg, which is called Equinox, which I also highly recommend to anyone reading this. Um, like it's, it, it actually is like kind of a more, it's, it's like more in the style of, um, fuck, what's that, what's that book? Um, Story of the Eye or something or. Oh, um, uh, but Bataille. Yeah, 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 Bataille. Yeah. Um, it, it feels a little bit more like that, but there is like, there's a character who's, who's, who's a, who's clearly an early version of Hog and his name is literally Nazi. Like, that's just his name. His name is just (laughs) Nazi. Like, um, and you know, he's like picking his nose and like feeding it to people. And he has like the one shoe on one shoe off. Um, which is another, like another thing that like a theme throughout Samuel Delaney's books is like a lot of times there's a character who's only wearing one shoe who like mm-hmm. represents this kind of uh, this kind of like outsider sexuality in a way, which like I found, I found very interesting. This book is also full of foot fetish stuff. So if like you're into that, um, you know, yeah, definitely. Yeah, if you like dirty feet, you got a great right. book coming for you. Right, if you love just like long descriptions of just like men taking off their shoes and the like the fog enveloping people that he, Delaney is your, is your erotic writer. Oh, yeah. I mean, and, like, that happens, like, in the first, like, 20 pages. Like, after he gets, like, picked up by Hog and is, like, sitting in the truck, there's, right. like, that horrible, like, page-long sequence where yeah. Hog is, like, just removing his shoe, talking about removing the shoe, and then, like, the description of, like, how, like, the miasma, like, descends and, like, fills up the truck. Right, exactly. Which sort of goes, like, like back to that, like, sort of super sensuality thing, like, and, like, kind of why kind of why like I don't really think Deleuze's sort of masochism sadomasochism thing really works so like in in that in that book coldness and cruelty the gist of it is that essentially he thinks sadism and masochism are actually not really connected like sadomasochism doesn't really exist for Deleuze and um you know and, and in a lot of ways he points out that like masochists actually demand a lot of the people that they sleep with and are in some ways sadistic in their own ways. Yeah, um, all, they have to create like the Sadian image. Like they have, they're responsible for like exactly. making that person into the sadist. It's like very unusual for like a, a sadist to like find a masochist and then like create that kind of relationship. Right. Exactly. And like, for me, like this is really like the only Delaney is like the only raunch writer that I know, um, which to me is like, like raunch to me is really like the kind of like, it's sort of like the, gay sadomasochism in a weird way um Mm -hmm. you know like there is this thrill sort of being being subjected to somebody's sort of sadistic fantasies which the mass like in Deleuze's equation like a true masochist doesn't like being at the whim of someone else's fantasies they need to sort of like control this theater of sexuality around them um so like, which is, you know, why I don't really think his, his theory really works for gay people, because like, in a lot of ways, like, you know, it's, there is this thrill to being subjected to somebody else's sadism, I think, for gay men. Um, Yeah, I I absolutely think so. And like, that's sort of like, why cocksucker is like, kind of like the the perfect, (laughs) like, target for this, like, Sadian figure is because like, he creates like no fantasy until like very much towards the end of the book when we start to get like these like inklings of agency when he like starts like tritely like desiring like one character's cock cheese over another right 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 and it's so funny because like that like it's it happens very close to the end and it's like such a small detail but like that's the first time that we get 
anything out of like cocksucker as a character outside of yeah, like i yeah. vaguely like it or i feel warm and it's like oh i miss this guy's dick cheese yeah 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 it's like it's i mean the the momentum of it is so subtle and to me like i mean hog's the kind of book that like people read it and they're like oh no it is art like to me that like conversation is like hogs the kind of book that almost just like destroys that conversation i don't even want to like i don't even want to engage in the conversation with like is this actually art or not like it's <laughs> it's filth is what it is um but the like the really artistic touch is like the last couple of pages when um when hog is is like really relieved to be sort of like um re rejoined with cocksucker yes. and he starts to talk to cocksucker and some like like a, a kind of like uh very like deadly sort of self-awareness seems to come over hog and for the first time like cocksucker has been completely silent throughout the entire book he doesn't say a single thing he, he's narrating the story but he doesn't have a single line of dialogue everyone is just sort of like talking at him yeah. and he asks cocksucker uh you know like what he's thinking cocksucker won't respond at first and he sort of presses him and then cocksucker and he all he nothing. says is nothing, nothing. <laughs> he just says nothing nothing um <laughs> which is like also same as me right exactly like i don't i don't want to talk like no you talk <laughs> like <laughs> like subject no, it, me to your world like <laughs> i know it, that's like the ultimate fantasy of the book and like why i honestly can't imagine like what i mean i would love for heterosexual people to read this and like get something out of it but like in terms of, like, a emotional experience, like, I feel like this book is, like, for gay people because it's, like, yeah. all of the massive extremities that you see here between, like, that... The thing that I really hated was the piercing. Ooh, God, that was... Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. And there's, like, a nail, like, driven through one guy's dick and he gets, like, sick. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah exactly. His, like, his dick becomes sort of, like, like leathery and bluish and like yeah, and it's cold when <laughs> yeah. cocksucker oh, puts it in his yeah, mouth at the end. Is, oh my god. He like cocksucker, I don't think I can like overstate this. He will put anything in his anything. mouth. Anything. Anything. It doesn't pose, yeah. spit, snot. A hair, dead penis. Shit. Like Oh God. Ugh. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, I, no, I think it's like um, you know, even like that piercing, like the shit eating, the foot fetish stuff, like the gratuitous rape, like all of it is like this distended shadow of what you see in the miasma of Grinder every day. Like it's just like yeah, the yeah. final form of it. Like every single scene in this book and all of like the filth of it is like stuff that I have been familiar with, even if I haven't done it. But like you're constantly skimming the surface of this, and then like this book is yeah. just like the the well underneath it. Exactly. Yeah. Well, so um, I mean, like in that, um, in that, like in that in the hole that place that i brought up earlier in the bottom of this place called jackhammer i remember this one night i they have like they have bathrooms in 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 the basement but the bathrooms are pretty much open like you if you need to take a piss you're taking a piss in front of everybody and i remember i like stood in front of the urinal and i started to take a piss and this guy literally walked like he walked right in front of my stream and kneeled down and like I didn't really have a choice. I just had to keep on peeing or like be like, oh, I'm I'm sorry. Like actually I'm peeing right here. Um, can you just move? Like can you, can you move? No, he's you just move a little bit. On. I have to I just like pee a little bit. Um but <laughs> you know, like you you know, like these like as a as a gay guy who like who experiences these places, like you you come into contact with with the with like this extreme these extremities of sexuality um and 
you know, it's actually like another tangent is um, I was I was in Berlin and oh, here um, we go. Well, so <laughs> so I was actually staying at this hostel that was a block down from Berghain that like very, you know, sort of like overblown club that, you know, like was like built up by these sort of anarchists. And um, now we like Lady Gaga has been there. So it's this it's this destination for everyone. And like, you know, they you go up in the line and they read your soul. And if you don't like fit the place, you're you, you don't get in. Um, but a lot of people staying at the uh, staying at the hostel I was at were, were going to Berghain. And I remember I like I, I sat down at this table next to this guy and like this guy like literally smelled like shit. Like he literally just like smelled like like pungent pungent like rancid ass. Yeah. And um, like I was sitting there and like he looked at me and he was like, oh, like are he was like, are you are you here for uh for like the shit festival? And I was like, I like I'm sorry, what? And he was like, oh, there's like a shit festival at, at Berghain. And I was like, no, I'm actually not there for here for this but please tell please sir tell me more like i'm i'm yeah. absolutely fascinated and he was like oh well there, there's a party in bergheim this weekend um that's like a it's like a shit party and it's for it's for shit fetishists and the entire time just this mist of like shit. of shit of like nutty shit was just like <laughs> be, just was just like becoming more and more exaggerated to me and i'm just sitting there nodding like oh okay great um but yeah no like you you definitely like as a gay guy you definitely like encounter like almost every single every single form of um this sort of i've just stopped thinking of the word abject because it's like <laughs> oh i know but like it's so appropriate this it's is why so i talked about abjection like in, uh, <laughs> powers of horror like three months right, ago so right. I get it out of my way right exactly um but truly no you, but yeah you, it really you is do like, encounter it yeah you like being a gay man means that you're like constantly like on like the top of the ice and it's like it's always cracking a little bit and whether you like, go into the ice pool of like shit sex and like chem sex and fisting is like, you know, up to you. But right, you can exactly. always see it because it's always there. Yeah. Well, so like this is what kind of scares me, though, about like these places like, you know, like the hole in Jackhammer um, so appropriately named. But, um, you know, like these places are like slowly becoming infested with women, which is something oh God, that I don't I think. Which is something I, that I don't think mm. people realize, but I've been lectured about safe words in places like these. And, um, you know, Honestly, like, if you walk into one of these, if you walk into the hole, like, you are, you know what you're going in for. Exactly. Literally, like, you know exactly wh where you're going and you basically consent to anything. And if you don't want it, you can easily break the fantasy by just being a little faggot and being like, ew, gross, and then running away. Yeah, you no, know, like, like, yeah, and like that's up to you. Like, you can go do Disney gay stuff and like leave us alone. Like, leave yeah. the leave <laughs> the depraved alone. And I mean, it is so true. Like, the women coming in, and I have had like a little bone to pick about this that like rubbed all my friends the wrong way in college. And it's like there are gay clubs and gay bars for women to go to, and it's yeah. fun when a hag shows up from time to time. But I don't need any girls at the hole exactly no stay away Go away stay far away unless it's a very very specific themed night where you are explicitly invited please please stay away from these sacred places <laughs> these, <laughs> these churches of, of evil yeah. exactly and, um, i mean that's why i think bathhouses are so important and why every young gay man needs to go they don't have to like go fuck or like suck or whatever but you need to go as like a cultural experience yeah, because definitely. Like, 
it's like walking into a library and like yeah the, yeah the depth of men that have so many experiences there that are so exciting and willing to like share their like faggoty <clears throat> like wisdom with you is profound and beautiful and on top of that there's no fucking bitches yeah there there are no, no bitches. women there are no there are no women here i mean even in hog like i like samuel excuse me um samuel delaney is i mean he has a child actually he's like he's slept with women i think he considers himself bisexual but in all almost all of his erotic novels like most of the sexual imagination is really focused on men um, yeah, which... I mean, there, there are there's women in this book there's um cutie pie the daughter who's a yes by yeah, her yeah. father and then there's the three rape victims um yeah, but, yeah like, their yeah. bodies like don't exist except in a like the only time that their physical form is described at all is like in yeah. injury exactly exactly yeah, yeah yeah and like it is really like all of the physical descriptions are saved for the grotesquerie of just like stinky male bodies um like the like these you know like the which is what these worlds should be, you know, like these worlds should just be like articulations of, of the, of the, uh, the, 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 the debased male form. Um, so like, you know, again, which is another reason why Gaspar Noe is not homophobic. Oh my God. I have, wait, hold up. I have been thinking about this the whole time we've been talking about this. Like, Ever since you said the whole, because like what the club and irreversible is called the rectum. The, oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's like the same, <laughs> which and, is um, so accurate. Like people think, people think that that's in that's in like a campy exaggeration. No, no. these places are literally called they're the, everywhere. The yeah, and like there's um, I mean the whole gay the the whole bathhouse sequence or like sex club thing and the, the rectum like in Irreversible is perfect, and it's like um it, that is also like a really amazing depiction of like gay evil and like it's uh capacity because like once again like the female form doesn't exist in that movie except in a state of injury and by a gay man right exactly yeah um yeah yeah completely like it's it's this i mean like that's like why i respect um gaspar noe he's another celebrity along with azalea banks who i literally trust to say faggot whenever he wants oh, absolutely. Um, but uh you know it's it's sort of like a, a clear-sightedness about like about the cocksucker in every gay man you know like it's um which i think like this sort of you know sort of like neoliberal nightmare that we live in has is very like very quickly trying to erase um oh yeah to exterminate to honestly. exterminate yeah i mean like you know, even yeah oh, go ahead well i was gonna say like you know and we haven't really touched on like the like there is there is a really pungent sort of like there's a very pungent sort of like racial politics going on in Hog. Um, yeah, that, I was wondering when we we're gonna bring it up because it is yeah, a, it is a whole topic. Right, it's a, it's an entire topic, and um, you know, I don't even know like like where to start, but like essentially, like it feels like Hog is this book about how like like it feels like this grinning book subjecting this white boy to every single cruelty that you can possibly imagine like there is like a there is a perverse comedy at play yeah. in this book um like it is about like slapping senseless this cock hungry like, like white cherubic <laughs> little boy yeah exactly um and you know actually like literally last week i was um i was at that this bar touche I, I went to it again and 
um, you know, it's mostly it's mostly like sort of middle-aged gay men who go there. And um, I ended up talking with this with this guy, um, this sort of like I think he was like 62 year, 62 years old, but like this uh, this black guy who was sort of dressed like Van Helsing, and he you know he he bought me a drink. We were sort of talking for maybe like two hours or so, and he told me this story about how um, one night he was at um, he he got into this club called Scarlet in Chicago, and um, he was he was like talking with some guys and um he sort of he, he started to talk with this sort of white twink and at one point he i guess he got a little bit too close to him and the white twink ran away and started screaming at the bar about how this guy was like assaulting him or something and he left the bar and then like i'm i'm not kidding you this is literally what he said he waited outside and when the when the kid walked out he like walked into an alleyway and he followed him and just slapped him and said, never do that again. And then he's telling me the story and then he bursts out laughing and I burst out laughing because it was fucking hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> like, and like, I was, you know, like I'm preparing for this podcast on hog and like, I had this brain blast where I was like, wait, there's like a, there's a deep comedy at play in hog about the faggotry of the white boy, you know, oh, yeah. like the, hyster- like, like this, like the, the, the cocksucker main character really is this like, this fantasy of like a totally debased white boy um, who is like, who is willing to get slapped like as much as possible. Um, And I mean, I think the the best part about it is that it is a total like joke. And like, for instance, if you put like this in the hands of like Jordan Peele, for instance, like (laughs) you would get like this, like really like morally, like finger wagging, like stubborn, like uninteresting, (laughs) like unfeeling sort of like experience in, static but like when delaney does it he has such like a passion and emotionality in his writing that like the the humor like lets uh the the subject like laugh as well right well it's almost like so um i mean like you know i i I read one of like tony morrison's book for some class in college and i remember reading this quote from her where she was like she was like i really want to write a book where like you know where like like blackness isn't brought up like there are no signifiers to blackness but like you still know that the person's black and i feel like delaney has almost the exact opposite uh, approach where the only way he identifies several characters is with slurs right exactly like it's literally there like every like every character every black like samuel delaney is himself a black guy and he like identify he identifies every single black character through some kind of racial slur, which becomes this like kind of sort of like perverted tag that they wear because these like these men are just like pure forms of like their sexual sort of like identity or whatever. Um, so which is like which makes it like this incredibly challenging book, I think for like a lot of people to read today because Samuel Delaney's approach to race is almost completely different. Like it's not the Toni Morrison approach where it's like sort of circuitous and sort of like, like sort of trying to circle around the problem. It's like he almost punches through the problem by laying everything in plain sight. Yeah. It's like the, the book like manifests the problem, like be, by becoming the problem itself, basically. Right. Right. And um, you know, I think that 
maybe like a lot of like white people would probably like really read it with a lot of intensity about like the the race stuff going on but it barely passed through me when i was reading honestly like i was like so so, yeah i was like really hung up on like the corporeal like sexuality of it um which probably is like more telling about like my point of view (laughs) right right yeah i mean it's it's... because like you know when you're talking about like your your, like trips to those uh bars like in chicago and stuff it's like when i was reading this too i kept like thinking about like my sort of encounters with like familiar stuff in this book and like um when i uh, was in drag like last june at a like i went to like a fetish i had like a fetish booking thing and uh I did a performance, uh, just did, like, Amuro Namie, like, very vanilla. Oh, cool. <laughs> um, and I just, like, cool. hung around after, and, like, uh, there were, like, a row of, like, five, like, nice Japanese dudes who, like, laid down and just, like, requested to, like, be trampled on. And, like, this stuff is just, like, always there, you know? Yeah, exactly, and, right. And, like, so, but like, no one will acknowledge it. Yeah, 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 exactly. Which, like, if... Like if alien if if the human race was destroyed and like aliens had to bring up ten book like there were just ten books left, Hog has to be one of them. Absolutely. Like, it like you you don't you haven't you haven't captured the full extremity of human experience without without Hog, um, which you know is like one of the most both it's like reading it is a pure schizophrenic boner like. There are, like, sentences that you read where you're like, oh, this is perversely hot. And the next sentence, all of a sudden, you're, like, literally gagging in the back of your mouth. Like, okay, no, literally a... gagging. Like, yeah. it's, <laughs> it, it's, it was such an amazing experience for me, like, in, um, you know, in line with, like, my general attraction towards extremity. Like, I just was so infatuated with, like, the utter, like, oppressed, like, sickly feeling I got, like, lying in bed, like, reading this on my side at night. Yeah. I was like, <laughs> yeah. And it's, like, every... Every page like has like some like new invention like invention to like fuck you up with. It's yeah, like, yeah. Like the way that like by the end of uh Juliet by like Saad like at at the end it's like they're inventing like these like bizarre like sex like machines basically and like I felt like this book like does like the same thing and it's like okay well how many more people can we add to this rape and like who has more dick cheese under, like, their uncut foreskin, and it's, right. like, there's a, <laughs> a new layer. To, there's not one inch of the human body that isn't described in this book. Right. It's, yeah, it's all just, like, out in the open, and, like, not a, like, not a single perversity is, is, is laid to the sidelines, and that's what's kind of, like, brilliant about Except the book. fisting. Do you know what? That's a good trick. That, 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 that's a good, a there's good no point. Fisting. There's not a single moment of fisting. <laughs> Where's yeah. the fisting, Delaney? There's a lot of, like, there's a lot of rimming, and a lot of, like, assholes pressing on tongues but there's not a single instance of fisting (laughs) where's the fisting (laughs) yeah um actually so samuel delaney he just came out with a with a new book that i that i got called big joe um that like i actually think might be like one of his best i i haven't read dal hallgren or however you pronounce it or through the valley of the nest of spiders which i'm sure are like his two masterpieces um having read big joe uh like to me like there is he is he's doing he's doing with hog um or he's he's kind of subjecting this kind of like neoliberal equation to like to the hog standard and um there are like hilarious um and it's it's slightly more comedic and lighthearted and sort of more um you know like there's it's it doesn't quite have kind of the 
sensory deprivating kind of like sort of just like anal sort of closeness of hog um but all, like everything is everything possibly is described as j just as well um and like it's kind of hilarious because like all of the characters like while they're going through this fantasy land of just like of just like obscene sexual encounters they're constantly sharing that like all of them are on prep <laughs> <laughs> like all of all of the characters are on prep and half of them don't even know what prep does literally like literally half of them don't even understand what like why they're taking prep they're just, like, banks was right yeah exactly they're like oh it just like it it stops the aids and like <laughs> which i thought was so funny um well that's but, something else i was thinking about with hog too is that its depiction of perversion is now something we'll like never see again because it's like you know we've been talking about how like it it really um brings full force like fetish and like all of like these like disturbing like qualities that gay people already like have been you know familiar with for generations but it's like the form that like perversion and like fetish has like taken now in um in pop culture is like you know saint vincent and like her like stupid little like uh, latex outfit and it's oh, wait, like, wait, she, like really overrated right like okay she, yes like Okay, like I don't hate Saint Vincent. I like some a lot of her earlier stuff, but it feels like she is like kind of selling. She's selling this actually sexless sexuality. Yeah, that it, it's it's so yeah. lesbian. Yeah, exactly. She, she right. got to the heart of it. Like she she saw the sexlessness of a uh, um, lesbianism and then accidentally like put it into art. But I I used to love her and yeah, same. I. I even loved, like, Mass Education. Like, I had it on vinyl. I had a poster of it. And, like, then, like, time went on, and I noticed that I had actually been inserting all of the sexuality into it, and none of it was there at all. Yeah, yeah, completely. I mean, like, it's, you know, she's had, like, she's had music videos with, like, that are, like, kind of orgies, right? Yeah, she uh, did that um, remix of something from Mass Education, which has, like, right. a gay, like, a bar orgy in it, which is cute. Yeah, it's right. Exactly, it's cute. It like I wasn't turned. I wasn't turned on at all. Um, yeah, what's the point? Right, exactly. And like, <laughs> I mean, you even see this with like with. I mean, RuPaul has lost all of its like like all of its bite. It doesn't have any teeth anymore. Oh um, yeah. Which, I mean, we were just kind of talking about it like last week and how it's like sunken into the identity gloop and um. Yeah, I think yeah, the, the gloop is going to be a, a reoccurring theme on the show from now on. But like watching the finale when all the people in their masks like trotting around were it was like so the, disappointing yeah the worst the worst thing that happened the whole season was um utica queen uh and her getting horrified about potentially <laughs> about some, yeah like, appropriating Offending, as yeah like, yeah as she's getting dressed by a black woman or like uh not putting on an afro wig when she was dressing as bro like bob ross like, i yeah exactly i like wanted i wanted all of my white friends to see unica because i like I don't think white people understand what they like the look in their eyes when this like neoliberal just sort of like apologista like, phantom apolog right exactly like I don't think they understand what they look like when when this demon comes <laughs> over them and they are suddenly possessed <laughs> with fear and trembling in the face of uh like of like interacting with somebody of a different race like it's it's like something that like I like I mean I even like I marched in a few BLM marches last summer uh -huh. and th that was like my my overriding observation was just that like it was a lot of very shy people 
who didn't really understand like why they were there and like were like there was an overriding sense of just like paralysis and like and just like awkwardness like real so- like like social awkwardness and you know what? it's like i can i can imagine it and it's like i can like see like the bug eyes and it's like yeah, I feel yeah like what goes literally through, like, <laughs> their head is like that high pitched tone when you like lost hearing yeah exactly um and you know like the i i i have some i have like a little bit of sympathy for people excuse me um i have a little bit of sympathy for people who don't feel you know like you know you know they they've like grown up in these like very like wealthy circumstances where they like weren't really mixing like or they weren't like seeing people of different races necessarily yeah. um and you know all of a sudden these like these sort of like social codes are you know like sort of like brought into blaring daylight and they have to like they have to fumble around with like this mm-hmm. this weird new like this weird new layer of of social awkwardness but at the same time like you know like like the amount of friends that i have who flooded their feed with half-assed infographics about you know like about like blm or whatever and like they don't they aren't they aren't willing to risk any kind of political creativity because they're so they're so like scared of being called out like to me that is that is like really where sort of the like the thorn in this like oh wait there were many thorns in the side of blm that's that's overwhelmingly one of them is yeah that is like this like massive project of of social awkwardness that has like sort of sprouted out from it yeah and um, i mean that that you know awkward that awkward sort of environment has been nothing but like propagated by what appears to be like the corporate mechanism of America because yes, like now yeah. like with like racial sensitivity training and like, you know, like universities, they do that now. And I, I mean, I went through it when I was an undergrad and I don't hate it automatically because I, I do see that people have like a, a good impulse, but it, yeah, the people have a the good worst impulse, part. but like, yeah. I know it, it's really unfortunate because it's like, people do just want to, you know, do the best for their community and, like, for people who they're, like, not aware of, like, how to interact with. But it's, like, the corporate mechanism and, like, the the political machine or whatever it is that's, like, driving this, like, absolutely awful chaos is just, like, nothing but encouraging, like, the stratification of cultures and attempting to lock people as far away from the others and then creating, like, this, like, sort of, like, corporate speech in order to interact with them at all. Right. I mean, this is why, like, this is why I feel bad for a lot of like trans people who oh, live today God, yeah. because i mean what like they're the biggest victims of all of this well it's yeah because the like they like most i like most trans people aren't these like gender not, yeah, freaks no. who are like obsessed with like who are who are obsessed with like having their pronouns affirmed like that that really isn't like that really isn't the i have never met a trans person who had some hang up about pronouns in my entire right life. like the entire discourse around like trans people and like their terrorism of pronouns and everything is like a purely like it's manufactured it's like this like bizarre twitter polemic of two opposing sides where it's like freaky gender people who have like weird gender fetishes and are or, or like teenagers who like are maybe a little autistic and like don't know like 
how right. to interact with the really oppressive world that's been put on top of them. So they create computer gender. It's like right. that. <laughs> right, it's literally. like computer gender people interacting with like straight male posters. And it's like yeah. the worst setting that could yeah. ever engender uh god <laughs> no pun intended yeah wait i just want to say you you guys heard it here first computer gender did you did you coin that like no or is that... no i saw this on someone's twitter okay got it i but wish no, i love it i i love that computer gender is like almost exactly what it is but i did I mean, almost like that's... a room with a someone who was a bird gender in college and yeah. uh, bird was really into twin peaks and um uh i just uh i you know i was like i don't think i can do this and yeah <laughs> here's the thing is like if you interact with someone who has bird or computer pronouns it's like okay great just don't talk to them like you don't have to be right. friends with them just like leave them alone like just exactly. don't worry about it right and like yeah no i mean it's really sad because like i think that to sort of go back to this idea of like gay evil you know like there's like I feel bad for a lot of trans people because trans identity has been completely sapped of any of its like of any its any of its sexual of any of its transgression or sexual yeah. momentum and like you like I think I think genuinely trans people are going to have a hard time understanding how to sort of how to sort of sexually contextualize them themselves because every like everyone is surrounded by this like blaring sort of like scientific debate about what is and isn't a trans person and people who are genuinely trans it's like it's like you know like if like if you're this like if you have this sort of like if you like have accepted yourself as this like weird aberrant pervert like you don't necessarily want to have to deal with these like totally puritan sort of like ideals of like identity and right um i mean like we like we experience it as gay people you know we're like we're like the only images you saw for like f four years were like these smiling the, white gay couples like right. interracial ones like holding hands with a baby right literally like with a white fence like on like a perfectly manicured lawn yes like sapped of all sexuality and um i've you met know, zero gay people in the world who look like that exactly zero absolutely zero and i mean it's the same like it's the same thing with trans people like I I've literally never met one who except on the internet so I'm like even suspicious that they even really exist but like psyop psyop like they literally like <laughs> literally they're like <laughs> like people Computer just don't gender people care are psyops <laughs> um but like really like people need people need to bring back a taste for the perverse and for yes. like the fucked up and I don't think like you know like gender po or sorry se like sex positivity doesn't exist sex positivity is not the way it it is actually it is actually fake sex se sex positivity is like hypnosis it is mass hypnosis that they they are trying <laughs> they are trying to convince you that you are not evil and guess what you are evil and it's great and you are like <laughs> you're not going to like like do like don't give into this sort of like bland sort of bureaucratically sanctioned vision of like what your like identity means like it's um you know and i don't think i don't think all of these like like again like we're gay we experience this a little bit earlier than everyone else but in i'm gonna give it maybe like five years tops people are really gonna start waking up to how how just like how, how much bullshit they're surrounded with and how completely drowning and paralyzing all of this kind of conversation really is 
And the only thing you can do then is like, um, you know, pedophilic sex orgies. Like, I think, of course, like, yeah. I think what's gonna happen <laughs> is like the the overall like um snapback from this absolute disaster culture we're in is going to be probably the most apocalyptic thing we've seen yet. I mean, exactly. It's already kind of started. I mean. BLM was also like you know one of its thorns in its side was that it was like a valve like it was like a pressure valve for everyone being fed up with like COVID and like yeah, everything else and so it's like you know that was a complete calamity and when something like that happens on a broader scale you know it's gonna be really bleak and yeah yeah I think that you know Hog is like almost like a futurist novel in this way because it really does yeah, like, yeah. show like where like the ultimate human desire lies and like how people slip into it when they have like no parameters on them and you know i wouldn't be surprised like if it takes us to like get to uh like a sort of like global like miasma stink of like hoggishness everywhere like before the world is able to snap back into this like out of this neoliberal disaster right exactly like every like that's another thing is like i don't think people understand that like how how true it is that like every reaction has like an equal and opposite reaction like the, you know like the like the the amount of policing you're going to do is inevitably going to come slapping your balls like seriously this is going to come whiplashing back at all of y'all and every single uh you know every single sort of like highfalutin sort of like learned scripted response that you have is going to completely disintegrate in front of your face and the only thing you're gonna have left is your fucking creativity which you better start you know you 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 better start working out honey like that's really what this is is like people don't want people are scared of of any kind of social creativity today and like they don't want to have to kind of like they they want everything to be kind of like scripted they want everything to have like this sort of like sanctioned npr style sort of like okay this is what i say in this situation and these are the forms of oppression i recognize when i see this person and um you know like i just like i don't see how that isn't going to come back to just haunt people especially the people who have sort of like you know, like, sort of, like, stood by them with, like, the, the sort of, like, loudest, most hectoring sort of forms. Yeah, I completely agree. Like, the only thing that is, you know, worth getting out of any of this is, like, trying to become creative in any way, like, outside of, like, the the system and, like, abandon advertising, for one. Like, all the creative people I know who went into it need to get out, like, get yeah. away oh, from Yeah, oh my god, that. that's so true. Like, like everyone run the run. fuck away from advertising. <laughs> no advertising. Don't make shit for Netflix. Yeah. Okay. Don't do that. Do not write for the New York Times or the Guardian or anything. Like don't publish your stories with them. It's like every we need to start like creating sort of like circuits of art and of uh sexuality and culture that are not dependent on like these morbid machines because right. they will come crashing down eventually. Yeah, exactly. Um get the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> podcast people <laughs> come on, on get Spotify on Spotify and itunes <laughs> let's go um i mean like i was i was sort of thinking like my actual my actually like my introduction to and like the, the thing that actually absorbed me into this twitter world that we are surrounded by is everyone's love for lena dunham um oh, yes who's someone which, who I can... you know jack from the perfume nationals really has to be thanked for that and yeah. you know 
you know, I never had any doubts about her. I bought her. Book. I, I have loved a her. I've been defending yeah. her for years. I have been, yes, I've years. literally been called a white supremacist by a boyfriend for defending Lena Dunham. <laughs> I'm literally not kidding. Like, I know, but it's so funny. <laughs> like, it, it, it is funny. Like, it's, it's fucking hilarious. You fool. And, you fool. <laughs> uh, like, Lena Dunham was my, it was truly my introduction to the quackery of all of this bullshit. The fact that, the like that that like this this total genius could be treated with like so much just like neurotic scorn um like to me was just like like we need to fucking liberate her we need to save her we need to we need to find her ivory castle and And break her the fuck out break her out girl get out (laughs) come with us like we will show you the way lena Um, yeah i mean and uh, lena dunham was her, girls was the last scream against this. It's like we've had like a few blips on the way um, of art that's a kind of like escaped it, but we're not getting any hogs right now, and they're no, not coming out not. of any publishing house. Like, uh-uh. it, it's it's sort of like a riveting and refreshing experience to go through the book and see all of this depravity presented without question or irony and like even though like we both kind of agree like there's a joke in the book like yeah yeah. this is something that i bought on amazon kindle and like this is not going to last for much longer yeah exactly yeah um so like yeah definitely like um like covet covet hog this like literally the 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 the, the book seems just to like carry a like a a fume of, of stink around it and and covet that like it is, it is a holy relic. Like it, it truly is. Like um, maybe I'm even justifying it too much. It's a, it's a, it's a holy relic of shit. Like, <laughs> um, well, what else is there left to say but covet hog?